This is BTV, Business Television. Discover companies to invest in. This week, in their quest to succeed, we look at companies meeting ESG, environmental, social, and governance factors head on. Hello, I'm Taylor Tone. And I'm Jessica Katrachek. Welcome to BTV Business Television. ESG, or environmental, social, and governance, is definitely something that seems to keep popping up in financial conversations and in the news. But is it really resonating with investors? We asked Jason Milne of ESG Global where he thinks ESG awareness stands and why more and more investors think it's important. There has been a realization that by looking at ESG factors, you will improve your portfolio's performance over the longer term. Increasingly, we're also seeing a desire to align your investments with your personal beliefs. It's always been the intelligent thing to do, reduce costs by optimizing the efficiency of assets. Well now, with artificial intelligence in play, even greater efficiencies are possible. With energy asset management, greater efficiency can not only have a positive impact on the bottom line, but on the environment as well. mCloud provides smarter connections for energy assets, connections that collect and analyze more data much faster than was previously possible. When we went public, we said we will be uh, applying AI and cloud to three vertical markets. The consumption of energy from retail facilities to offset the grid. The second was on the energy production side. Then third was on the oil and gas space, and mainly in the gas side and how we manage the productions in that space. Brain power is being applied to real world problems and you're solving real things, and that's exciting. Reducing the amount of energy buildings consume is a fairly straightforward proposition, one that's gaining traction with some notable customers. Big banks like Bank of America, large retail operations like Starbucks, big players in the cinema space that have many theaters throughout America, they use our technology to connect their buildings, the rooftop units in their buildings, to minimize the use of energy at peak times of day. The savings are both fiscally and socially responsible. On an average basis, our customers are saving about 15 to 20 percent on their energy bill. Uh, interestingly enough, if you're a typical fast food restaurant, can save up to kind of 12 tons in CO2 emissions. If you reduce across the footprint of America, 10 percent of the load between three and 4, 5, 6 p.m., you'd reduce equivalents of nuclear power plants of capacity. So if we keep doing that to hundreds of thousands of connected assets, we can offset a lot of demand that's not needed. So that's very impactful. On the other side of the energy equation, mCloud Asset Care technology is optimizing the output of wind turbines. You can only convert so much wind into electricity. The problem is if you're not aligned, if your blades aren't optimal, if you're not ready to run, God won't blow that wind again. So if you weren't ready for it, it's like if you're a surfer. But when that wave is gone, you're never gonna see that wave again, ever. If all you did was optimize wind turbines that are built today, didn't add any more, just had them produce what they were designed to do, you'd be, again, offsetting multiple nuclear power plants of energy requirement. With the acquisition of AutoPro Automation, mCloud brings AI solutions to a veteran provider of asset management in the Alberta oil and gas industry. AutoPro helps us make a huge difference in Alberta, and Alberta is very marketable in oil and gas worldwide. We have oil and gas technology from Alberta, 
you can sell it in Southeast Asia, you can sell it in Australia, in Texas. Uh, so that's what we intend to do is scale this on a global basis. For companies like mCloud, going global is not just a series of one-off sales. mCloud's primary business model is centered around software as a service. So people sign up for Asicare in the same way that you purchase a cell phone plan. Essentially monthly subscriptions, which means recurring revenue, a highly scalable model that lets customers quickly get on board with Asicare, uh, and there's kind of a monthly fee attached to it. There's millions and millions of connectable assets that we can influence. Now the game plan is to keep connecting, just keep connecting and judge ourselves based on the number of connecting points we have. And uh, three, five years down the road, we'll be in the hundreds of thousands of connected assets and we'll make a real big difference at that point. mCloud connections are already achieving year-over-year -year revenue growth of 443%. If the pendulum of public opinion swings even further toward energy efficiency, the company's future could prove to be even more interesting. Coming up next, a mineral development company not afraid of the S-word, sustainability. Environmental stewardship, social responsibility are core to Avalon's business. And later, a company focused on making the world a safer place. We are building the gold standard in threat detection. We'll be right back. You're watching BTV. Welcome back to BTV. As more clean technology enters the marketplace, the demand for lithium and the rare earth elements and other metals it requires dramatically increases. While you would hope that the mining of these minerals can also be clean, is that actually possible? Don Bubar of Avalon Advanced Materials says yes. Environmental stewardship, social responsibility are core to Avalon's business and have been for over 10 years now. Realizing how the markets for these rare earth elements were increasingly in new clean technology, we realized that it didn't make much sense to start producing materials for clean technology in an unclean way. Avalon's most well-known project is Nechalicho, a rare earth elements project near Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. The company started working on it in 2005, then put it on hold in 2014 when interest in rare earth elements cooled off. But times have changed. The project has been reactivated and is being advanced in a manner Avalon calls stage development. But really a lot of these commodities are not like traditional mine commodities in that you don't really know how much you're going to be able to produce when you get started. So you cannot scale the project based on the size and grade of the resource it's on the market. We start at a relatively small scale, define the product, get it accepted in the market, and build scalability into the project so you can gradually increase your production over time as your market for that product grows. And by doing that stage development approach, you also can build in um, environmental rehabilitation into your development model so you can kind of remediate the impacts you're creating at the site as you develop the project. Another project that Avalon is advancing is in northwestern Ontario. It's a lithium project with a twist. 
Separation Rapids is our advanced lithium project, which is a unique resource enriched in a very unusual lithium mineral called petalite. That is an industrial mineral traditionally used in glass and ceramic applications. At the East Kentville project in Nova Scotia, Avalon is looking to renew a supply source of a traditional base metal, tin. Over half of the tin that's produced now is, is used on electronic circuit boards. You're seeing more use of tin in clean technology. They're talking about using tin as an alternative in lithium ion battery. Also, it's used to make indium tin oxide in certain types of solar panels. The mine at East Kempville has been closed since 1992, and Avalon isn't actually reopening it, at least not in the conventional manner. They left a stockpile there of mined ore that didn't meet the cutoff grade at the time, that with tin prices now being stronger than they were then, is actually material that can be treated uh, economically. As important as their commitment to environmental stewardship, is Avalon's outreach to the communities around them. Working with First Nations and Indigenous peoples has been integral to our business philosophy for a long time as well. And I've been a firm believer that companies like us must engage early and often with local Indigenous communities. With concerns about the security of existing offshore supply chains, and growing interest in new supply chains that are environmentally and socially responsible, Don Bubar believes Avalon has a lot to offer. We know how to process many of these types of resources to extract the critical minerals of interest to begin these supply chains and we want to get started in doing that and grow into a bigger business that way. As the clean technology sector expands and evolves, there's little doubt the demand for resources needed to produce the technology will continue to accelerate. Companies like Avalon Advanced Materials are waiting in the wings. After the break, a First Nations chief explains what happens when mining takes social responsibility seriously. A hundred years ago, we were not really included in mining activity, but today that's different. We'll be right back. You're watching BTV. Welcome back to BTV. The expectations of high standards of environmental and social responsibility puts mining companies like Golden Predator under multiple microscopes. Even so, the company now has all the licensing in place to move forward with the reopening of the Brewery Creek Gold Mine in the Yukon. Golden Predator is a company firmly committed to ESG principles, one that acknowledges the mining industry had to evolve. I think historically the mining industry was sometimes its, its own worst enemy. It was very focused on the bottom line, it was very focused on production, and sort of left behind the community. The community includes the Trondequetchen First Nation. Chief Roberta Joseph and other First Nations leaders work closely with Golden Predator. But that sort of relationship is a relatively new dynamic. A hundred years ago, we were not really included in the mining activity, although it was First Nations people who had 
discovered gold in our traditional territory, but today that's different. We have a good working relationship with Golden Predator. Trundakwichin supports sustainable projects, working with us to ensure that mitigative measures and environmental measures are at a standard that is acceptable to ensure that future generations are able to use the land and enjoy the land in a way that we continue to enjoy it today. The First Nations participate in licensing, permitting, and in socio-economic assessment reviews. But as far as Janet Lee Sheriff is concerned, any legal agreements between Golden Predator and First Nations are just part of the equation. We've worked, I would say, tirelessly to build a strong relationship and always think of ways that we could be improving. It's a holistic approach that we take. It's cultural, environmental, economic, and spiritual because of the connection to the land. So beyond engaging with elected leaders, Golden Predator has included the voices of the elders and other members of the community. The Elders in Residence program came out of a community meeting held in Watson Lake where an elder from the community, Mary Caesar, came up to me after the meeting and said that we really needed to find a way to involve the elders in our project. And we had 80 uh, elders, youth and staff together for three days in the fall. And it turned into like a cultural exchange. And it's really their voices speaking about mining and how they see going forward. This is our traditional territory. We're not going anywhere. We're gonna be here forever. So. Things like restoration and reclamation are important to us. While the concerns of First Nations may be more immediate, Janet Lee Sheriff believes they are definitely shared by many others. Investors now are more progressive and they have more social responsibility. So it's really important that, that we evolve and, and speak to investors and their interests as well as the community interests. Mindful of the interests of all parties, Golden Predator will continue to advance the Brewery Creek Gold Mine back into production. Artificial intelligence can address many challenges across a broad range of industries, solving problems of labor shortages, difficult or dangerous work, or even tackling climate change. Enter Advanced Intelligence Systems, a practical robotics company whose first foray was an automation solution for the horticulture industry. The first task that was proposed to us to automate by the horticulture industry was the task of moving and spacing plant pots. It's a very big market facing a very big difficulty in finding affordable labor because it's a very strenuous labor work. So we've created a solution, we call it Big Top, and Big Top autonomously moves plant pots in nurseries and in greenhouses. AIS is creating practical autonomous robots that are affordable, they're easy to operate, and they tackle those tasks that are most difficult for the labor to do. Big Top is the company's flagship product, increasing efficiency and productivity. But more than that, AIS is creating practical robotics and AI platforms for applications that will benefit from automation in various industries. In order to achieve that, 
we have created a library of assets that we have protected with the patents and trade secrets. And this library of assets includes software modules, hardware modules, and platforms. The robots we create at AIS can very easily be customized to be used in different environments. For example, in warehousing, fulfillment, in manufacturing, and various other areas. With their machine-as-a-service business model and no initial capital expenditure, AIS is poised to solve a number of the automation challenges with their customizable robotics. Just like the way there's a computer in every home right now, we want every home to be able to automate what they want with a practical robot. And to be able to create that impact in the market and also help us live better lives. AIS has recently received a grant from Sustainable Development Technology Canada to build its next project, which will have a huge impact on minimizing the carbon footprint of industries that currently use gas-powered machinery. Coming up next, We've assembled best-of-breed innovations in threat detection. We're in the business of saving lives. We'll be right back. You're watching BTV. Welcome back to BTV. Everyone wants safer public spaces, but how do you deal with the increasing number of potential active threats in shopping malls, office buildings, stadiums, and schools, for example, without turning them into fortresses? Patriot One Technologies has been developing and refining a threat detection platform to address this issue. Right across the world, people want to have an appropriate balance between civil liberties and security. And finding that sweet spot, that balance, is, is a real challenge. We are building the gold standard in threat detection, by which we mean the detection of guns, knives, bombs, and other threats to public safety. In short, we're in the business of saving lives. At the outset, Patriot One was focused on developing a threat detection solution based on a single technology, but that's no longer the case. We've been through a, a huge evolution. We were commercializing a single technology out of McMaster University, what we call cognitive microwave radar. But we made a decision uh, a couple of years back. We knew that it would be impossible to meet all the requirements of public safety through one single technology, which coincidentally is the standard method of threat detection. Patriot One continued moving toward their goal with a different and much broader approach. We've assembled best-of-breed innovations in threat detection. We use radar, we use magnetic resonance, we use object recognition in video, we use chemical sensing for explosive detection. What we do is we bring those together in what we call the multi-sensor threat detection platform so that they can be deployed covertly or at least unobtrusively to allow people to go about their business unimpeded but to detect threats in real time, generate alerts and put those alerts where they need to be to prevent incidents of violence. To analyze the enormous amount of data generated by a multi-sensor platform, Patriot One recognized it needed to up its AI game. They found a team of leading-edge AI developers at Extract Technologies. So, they bought the company. It's a hugely strategically important acquisition for us. We rely on algorithms to interpret the data that comes from our hardware. The hardware is just a means to an end. 
the secret source, as it were, lives within the algorithms that interpret that data. So machine learning has always been a core part of our offering. However, as we've brought on stream these additional technologies, what we're looking to do is to fuse them together on this platform. And that requires a greater complexity in the AI that can make sense of these different streams of data. And that's really what differentiates us from a, a pure hardware play around a single technology. We're much, much more than that. We're, we're greater than the sum of the parts. Patriot One continues to test and develop the capabilities and effectiveness of their threat detection platform. The big question, of course, is why is the company just beginning to deploy its technology in the real world? People want this stuff out there as quickly as possible, either because they, uh, they're security professionals who want to save lives, or they're investors who, who need to see revenue building. You could develop in a lab and say, hey, I've got a product, it's ready to go, send it out there, but you will have failures. Now, when it comes to life safety equipment, that's a catastrophe, and we will not do that. We will not put anything into the market unless we're confident about its performance. That's absolutely critical. So we have had to be out there in the real world now, developing these technologies, refining them, bringing them back into the lab, getting them back out again, getting bigger data sets. And that's a complex process. I understand the impatience and you know, nobody is more keen to get these things out there than, than the employees of Patriot One, I, I can assure you of that. In addition to perfecting the technology, Patriot One has been establishing strategic partnerships to optimize the potential they believe is at hand. This is not a niche product for you know, a small sector of the North American economy. This is a global opportunity. And the only way in which we can scale to, to meet that global demand is by working with major partners. The likes of Cisco, who've been absolutely instrumental in our development and our market outreach. Our colleagues at IBM on the data networking side. We have Raytheon supporting us. We recently announced our partnership with Johnson Controls International. So where will we be in 12 to 18 months? Well, I think you're gonna see PatriotOne technologies deployed with high brand recognition clients in multiple sectors of the economy, demonstrating that it is the global leader in threat detection, bringing forward a solution to a global problem. Patriot One has begun a strategic rollout of its PatScan platform with resellers and their end clients. It's an exciting time for Patriot One, and more exciting for us, the general public. Before we wrap up, we asked James Black of the Canadian Securities Exchange about trends he's seeing in the space. I think newer investors are going to probably emphasize or teach us a little bit about what's important from a social perspective. Um, it's, a, it's a game about learning. we got to understand what's important to investors. What was important to an investor 15 or 20 years ago isn't what's important today necessarily. I have to say, the variety of companies considering ESG factors is certainly much broader than I realized. Yes, it's impressive, and it appears to be much more than just a growing trend. Thanks for joining us today. For BTV, I'm Jessica Kasherchak. And I'm Taylor Tone. Until next time, may your portfolio prosper.